Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. Hey there, another Mother Runner listeners. Have a very exciting treat for you today. It is the inaugural episode of the Book Bully podcast, hosted by none other than my occasional co host, Ellison Wiest. Just so delighted she has a spin off show. I feel it's kind of like the Laverne and Shirley to AMR's Happy Days. And if you're too young to get that reference, you have no idea what I'm talking about. So uh, you might recognize the voice of her first guest. I was delighted to talk to Ellison, as I always am. So enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome finally, to the pilot episode of The Book Bully. I'm Ellison Wiest, your host, a.k.a. The Book Bully. Thanks to all of you who have been eagerly awaiting the launch of this new podcast, and welcome to anyone who's just stumbled upon it. In the episodes to come, I'll talk about books I've loved and books I wasn't so keen on. Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love for free because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a six- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com AMR. That's BarkBox.com AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com slash AMR when you subscribe. That's StoryWorth.com slash AMR. I'll be chatting with other readers to find out what books they are passionate about. In a nutshell, we'll be talking books. Okay, from time to time I may throw in bits about life as an aging runner, 
a haphazard knitter, and what it's like to navigate life as a woman of a certain age. But for now, let's talk books. Without further ado, here is episode one of The Book Bully. I'm so happy to be joined by my good friend Sarah Bowen Shea. Sarah is the co-founder, along with Dimity McDowell, of the incredible Another Mother Runner community, and she's the main host of AMR's weekly podcast. She's also the co-author of three books, including Run Like a Mother and Tales from Another Mother Runner, Triumphs, Trials, Tips and Tricks from the Road. And at the time of this taping, Sarah is in training for her 14th marathon. And befitting the podcast, she's an avowed book lover. So welcome, Sarah, and thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it is my sincere pleasure to be here. (laughs) Well, first, I guess we should uh, tell listeners that it was actually books that brought us together. That was over... 13 years ago. I know. I was thinking as I walked up to your house, I was like, oh, I wish we had a photo from when we used to run together and when we first met. I'm like, well, iPhones didn't exist back then. So. Right. Oh, my gosh. That's... <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes, it was a book group here in your very neighborhood. Right. That's how we became friends. Right. Such a dreadful, that first book was um, the something club, not the... Not the Da Vinci Club. The... No, it was. Oh god! And even Jack remembers because he read it too, and he couldn't stand it. Oh my god! I can't believe you terrible. can't remember. I it. can't remember it. I re- I just remember that you came in. You walked into my house with uh, one other friend, Maggie. Maggie, and you just walked in like you owned the place. <laughs> I was like, wow, <laughs> who's this tall chick? <laughs> oh, that doesn't sound anything like me. What are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, so it was actually books, this book club that brought us together, and then we started running together. Yes, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then um, and then I tried my best to keep up with you when you ran your first marathon. <laughs> well, now, in your defense, uh, you had had twins, yes. uh, what, three months, less than three months right, before prior. that Right, Yeah, but yeah. I mean, the, the audacity of hope that I would think <laughs> of, of trying to keep up with you and it was and i remember i had a a block duck yes block that's duck. right that, uh-huh. and i think we actually spoke about that it did yeah. take my mind off that last 10k <laughs> right. oh you think you hurt well let me tell you <laughs> that's right that's right yeah all right well so i want to even cast your mind back a little farther than mm. that and um tell me what is your first memory of reading like maybe a book that's stands out as one that fascinated you as a child oh i wish that my first memory of reading is the inability to read we had a um uh, a very extended uh blackout because of a big storm when i was um a little over three and so there was nothing you know nothing to do all there's no tv there's you know i don't know you couldn't go anywhere it was hot everything and i my parents are reading the new york times and i put a uh, section of it down on the floor of a room in their house and I remember being so frustrated I thought if I could only make sense of these letters then I wouldn't be so bored oh, that's a classic that's great <laughs> knowing you as I do today that's a classic yeah right start. but I couldn't read the New York Times yeah even then I knew it was going to really speak to me <laughs> so um huh you know what I loved the um the um, little bunny that had I don't remember the exact title but that had red with red wings the oh. that has um, 
its mother, it wishes for things and it gets these little wings and it flies away from its mother and it lands oh in like a pricker, like a briar patch. Um, okay, that's I not bet, ringing any bells? No, but I bet a listener is probably screaming in Right, because I don't quite have the title, the title right. Right. Um, but I must have a thing for flying bunnies because I also adore um, the country bunny yes. and the little gold shoes. Oh, I love Oh, my that gosh. Book. The illustrations in that are yeah. so wonderful and how patient that mother is. Yes. I mean, every mother runner wishes she could be as patient as that country yes. bunny. That's exactly. No, <laughs> and get I her work that. done. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and move as fast as she does when she flies up onto oh, that, that mountaintop is, yeah. to deliver that egg into the hand of that sleeping boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a classic. That's a classic. Um, so what's the first book you think of when you think of classic and why and for me it's the hunchback of notre dame because i read that uh when i was 12 and i was so proud of myself but i didn't understand the parts about esmeralda inspiring lust i remember thinking (laughs) what is lust only there were hyperlinks back then (laughs) (laughs) so victor hugo was my uh, intro oh gosh classic um Wow. And I'm an English major. I'm a little stumped. Um, I mean, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Yes. Um, And gosh, I mean, when you first said classic, though, the first thing that popped into my mind was Little House on the Prairie. Okay. I mean, they're, I I realize that's not um, high literature, but they are the books that just spoke to me so greatly as a child. I read the entire series three times through by the time I finished third grade. Oh, wow. And I remember saying to my mom, Oh, I just wish they'd go on and on forever. Oh. <laughs> and it's it's kind of the same way I feel about um, Pride and Prejudice. That if I just kept reading, rereading it, maybe I'll find some pages I didn't know existed before. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's uh, me in the Goldfinch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my Both goodness! Of us with that. Yeah, oh, such yeah. a phenomenal book. Yeah, and I think I, we've talked about this. The Little House on the Prairie books. I too just absolutely adored them. And when my daughter came along, I could not wait to mm-hmm. introduce her to them. And she never cared for them. Yep. And she's a huge reader. She was a wonderful reader, but she just. I had two chances with girls and one boy and still none of them took to it and i have my entire box set still that says on the top of in my handwriting this belongs to sarah bowen oh and no so the best i got was daphne read a few of them but like her best friend in elementary school adored them and still nothing was gonna Nothing was gone. Nope. Tip nope, her over the nope, edge. Nope. Nope. Mm. So um, I do have pictures of me reading Little House in the Big Woods to Phoebe. So that was, and that was pretty much, I mean, I think I joked that that was the reason I had kids was to be able to read those <laughs> books to them. So, um, I mean, I think about also in terms of classics, I think about um, my brother read Roots when he, by um, Alex Haley. Haley yeah. Yeah. And um, he, my brother read that when he was in seventh grade. And I remember my entire family thinking, well, that's mighty precocious. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 There's so many. And I think the word classic uh, can go into so many directions, especially these days. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. tell me about the first book that you recall not being able to put down, you know, one of those mm-hmm. where 
uh, you would, you knew you should be doing something else, but and should you I kept pull going myself back out of being a child? It? Should I be a grown up? Oh, now you can. Uh, because, uh, you can because, yeah. because the terrible thing is, is uh, it would be the flowers in the attic series. Oh god! Oh boy, that took me back. <laughs> and someone, someone, VC Andrews. Oh, VC Andrews, who has been dead for decades, yes. yet still <laughs> produces yeah. novels. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So when. Um, that someone alluded to that recently on Twitter because um, John and Daphne, my twelve-year-old uh, twins, were trying out for Romeo and Juliet at school. And when John threw his hat into the ring to be Romeo, Daphne immediately said, "Well, I don't want to be Juliet." <laughs> <laughs> so I tweeted about that, and someone said, "Yeah, that'd be way too Flowers in the Attic." I'm like, "Oh, oh Flowers in the Attic! It's such an awesome book, and it's so dreadful. So, I mean, oh, such dreck." Yes. Um. So, I mean. Gosh, I think about some of the Russian classics. I mean, I loved Anna Karenina. Um, I, um, I mean, when we read Lolita in book group, that was a book that I just could not read fast enough. And I w- wondered why people had let me wait until I was in my third decade to read it. That's the same with me. I couldn't believe that's that was one of those books that I was embarrassed to say that I hadn't read until and, I think I was in my 30s or early 40s. And I just wanted to, why didn't someone take me by the shoulders and say, yeah. honey, you have to read Lolita. Yeah. And so then Phoebe, my older daughter, who is 15, has read Lolita and which um, some parents might um, tisk tisk about that. But I just thought, well, you know, it is just a masterfully written novel it is and um a lot of lessons to be learned from it but not it's not in a you know pandemic way Mm -hmm. doesn't they don't take Mm -hmm. he doesn't take the rod to you yeah yeah so um i mean i loved um madame bovary the first time i read it um i did not love it the second time i read it though really um i don't know it just did not speak to me at all i mean in high school when i read that novel it just really spoke to me and next second time as an adult i'm like eh. mm-hmm. so i don't know yeah yeah i remember getting caught up um senior year in college during exams uh getting caught up in the last convertible oh, I by anton that. meyer oh. um and just you know I, I remember sitting on the bed thinking i need to get back to you know greek mythology but <laughs> just one more chapter and so i read it again probably about 20 25 years later I was so embarrassed. <laughs> I just wanted to go back and slap my 21-year-old self. But So it's funny how, because I have such distinct memories of how that book grabbed me. Uh-huh. And yet. Uh-huh. Same thing. You know what other uh, novel, or it's a novella, worked that way with me was uh, Ethan Frome by Edith Wharton. And the first time I read it, again, I, so I was in my late 20s, I thought, why have I never read this before? I was an English major. And, oh, my goodness, I just wept and wept over that. Oh. oh, my goodness. And then I listened to it as an audiobook within the past decade. And I was like, oh, I shouldn't have recommended this so highly to so many people because I just felt it didn't. I don't know whether it was because I wasn't literally reading it or right. what, but I just was like, oh, uh-huh, that's good. It's hmm. great. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think time really, really does a number on us. And I don't yeah. know. I'm always fascinated by, is that because of life experiences? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the main? I, def- I think it depends on what character in the novel you see through their eyes. Oh, that's and good. And that because, I know it's the same thing with news stories now, that, you know, when I was 
younger, I would see it through, you know, if it was a story involving a teenager, I would see it through the eyes of the teenager. And then I, now I think, oh, that poor mother. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, yeah. So I think it just sort of, I don't know what what it was about Ethan Frome that just really, I was a lot younger and maybe just the poignancy of it all. Maybe I've become sort of... Um, I don't know, hardened his life has gone on. Um, But you know what? Uh, As a young person, what I was totally addicted to were Stephen King novels. Oh, yes. And this was back when he was getting his start. So, or not quite. I mean, he had been doing it for a couple of years, but oh my goodness. I just like The Stand. Talk about a novel I could not put down. And that is a long, that is long. That is. Yeah. So, um, oh my goodness. I just thought... Oh. Yeah, the this I remember reading The Shining when I was mm-hmm. in college. I guess I was home for summer break, or either summer break or Christmas break, and read the book and made my then probably twelve year old brother come <laughs> in, put a sleeping bag on the floor of my bedroom <laughs> and sleep there. And he was not excited about it. And then I had to remind him, Hey, when you were two or three and you had nightmares, who who came in and rubbed your back? <laughs> I did that. I was, uh, when I went to go look at colleges, my parents let me go visit three colleges by myself. I was 16. Wow. I had had only, you know, got my driver's license a couple months before that. Maybe maybe I was 17. It was summer after my junior year of high school. They let me drive to um, Colgate, Hamilton, and Middlebury by myself from Connecticut. Whoa. And so I was reading Stephen King's collection of short stories called Different Seasons. And I was at Hamilton, and it was during the summer, so they put me up in a um, kind of this facility where visiting sports teams would stay. So it was just rooms full of bunk beds <laughs> and restrooms that were like stalls as far as the eye could see. And I was the only person there. Oh my word. And it was a very stormy night. And I was scared out of my flipping mind. And when I had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, oh. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. what's under the stall? What's under the stall? <laughs> oh, God. I can't only imagine that. I mean, those things were kind of scary when you were even in college in the middle of the night. Right, right. Like, so surrounded then, by so people. reading Stephen King. So, but then I, um, I gave up Stephen King uh, uh, for a long time after Cujo. That one really, I was kind of like, yeah, that's just a crazy mm. dog. That one's not really working for me. And then I didn't come back to it till a book that you and I have discussed, November 22, 1963, yes. Yes. which became too Groundhog Day for me. But um, I, I thought it was a glimmer back to what Stephen King used yeah. to do. Yeah, I agree with you. Had it started off with a great premise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first yeah. maybe 300, I'm like, okay, can we fa- literally but- fast forward? <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> Well, tell me about a genre that you have absolutely no interest in and why. Oh. Or is there one? Oh, oh that's interesting. Um, I'm not a romance novel reader. Um, and um, shudder the thought I would um, lump Anita Shreve into that category. I I'm would. with you on yeah, that one. I would. Let's just, I'm just going to put that out yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. We're, there are going to be people that disagree, yeah, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, I went through um, a phase when, I don't even remember what, probably um, right after I graduated college, I could read like Danielle Steele. Um, and, but the, even then it left a kind of nasty taste in my mouth and kind of like when I read Us Weekly magazine now that same sort of ickiness um so romance novels are not my milieu at all and um hmm just trying to think oh um westerns 
totally not a Westerns person. It's I find it odd because I loved pioneer novels like Little House on the Prairie, like Caddy Woodlawn growing up. And now I live on the West Coast, so, you know, on East Coast transplant here on the West Coast, yet Westerns just like Louis L'Amour and even Wallace Stegner, just it doesn't. Really? Wallace Stegner? You, yeah. Have you read Crossing to Safety? No, and my new book, my new, you know, I've been in it probably seven years, my new book group um, has, I think, read two of them because my running partner, Molly, adores Wallace Stegner. Yes. And so it just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense because I love the Western landscape. I love some of the themes. I realize Wallace Stegner's an incredibly talented writer, but just it's not my, it's not my thing. I think if you try Crossing to Safety, you'll, okay. that right. may tip you yeah. towards him. Like, yeah. and I didn't like Westworld. Um, I didn't like, um, what, uh, now we're talking TV shows, which I right. realize is not reading. Um, what was the one um, that had all the swear words in it? Alex, come on, help me with this one. The HBO series. That was a West- Deadwood. Oh, Deadwood. Yeah. 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 I didn't never got that. into that one. Yeah. 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 So yeah. anyway. Well, once you began your career as a writer, Mm -hmm. um, do you think your reading habits change? So do you read more now for escapism or Mm. say at that time, did your interest skew towards nonfiction more? Oh, um, no, I mean, as a, you know, so I was a magazine writer and a, um, wrote for the New York Times for, um, gosh, what, two decades that I was a freelance writer. And so I enjoy really well-crafted nonfiction. So, I mean, I'm talking um, John Krakauer. I'm talking the man who wrote um, under the 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 Manifest Destiny book that we just read. What oh, was Michael that? Wallace. Um, is that that was the name is? Yeah, the what the was one it? on the yeah the Donner Party. Donner Party. Yeah. Michael so Wallace. That, so I mean those ones or um, Eric Larson. Right. I mean those types that have a really compelling narrative. Um, so do I see that as being influenced by my work? Not, not, not greatly, no. Um, I mean, I um, uh, compartmentalize my life a lot. I mean, I definitely am able to shut off my work brain pretty well or, you know, my jock side, I can sometimes turn that off after I walk in the door after a run, that sort of thing. So I would say my free time is my f- free time and I do what I want to enjoy during that time. Good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so... Oh. And we've been talking about book clubs, and I know one thing you and I discussed on uh, many a run was what makes a good book club mm. discussion mm-hmm. and why. And you have pretty strong opinions on this. <laughs> I do? Me? Strong opinions? <laughs> Again, what are you talking about? Um, uh, so I, you know, I, as I've said, I think twice now on this podcast, I was an English major. I come from a very long line of literary people. My father says we are people of the word. Um, Good man. And, um, and and supposedly my father has a couple novels that he's written that are up in the attic that have never been published. Um, and so I definitely look, I want to discuss themes. I want to discuss um, you know, illusions, I, symbolism, I want it all in there. And I, it's rare to find, other, I have not had the opportunity to be in book groups with people who want to discuss a lot of those same things. You know, I don't want, drives me kind of batty when the first question is, oh, did you like the book? And I mean, because, you know, I, I, as a student, I read a lot of books that I didn't like, but I felt were of great value. And so, but of course, now that I'm too busy, if I don't like a book in book group, I'm not going to read it. I just, there's not enough hours in the day in my mind to read a book that I don't enjoy. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, that's a big question. I see it a lot bandied around, 
particularly on Instagram, is to finish or not finish mm. a book. You know, I have DNF'd, did not finish mm-hmm. on many a book. And I remember my mother was somebody who insisted on mm. finishing mm-hmm. a book. And then when she she got, as you know, got cancer, and as soon as she found out she was terminal, it was like she did a 180. She just was like, okay, life's too short. And if a book does not grab me in... Mm, 25 or 40 pages maybe I'll give it 50 I know you've often said that you'll give it 50 and I'm like oh no 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 yeah. I'll give it 15 to 25 but typically I mean I'll sometimes stop after three or four pages right if um, you can tell mm-hmm. yeah yeah and just that um the tone the I have um I definitely see things a lot when I think um words really become visual things for me and if it's almost as if I've walked into a place and I'm like oh I don't like the vibe here like oh the walls are too dark the you know the curtains are super heavy I'm getting out of here and I'm not saying that that's what the writer's describing but just if I get that feeling and I I sometimes I oftentimes really like to feel like they match the the vibe in the book matches my mood or even the time of year like I read a um Oh gosh, Pat Conroy. What's the, not the king of, the one where they have the tigers. Oh, um. Oh goodness. Um, all right. Hang on. Prince of Tides. Prince of Tides. Thank you. Yes. Um, yes. um, I read Prince of Tides when I was, um, in Hawaii with my first husband. He had a business trip there. He took me along. It was a great treat. And I found the book so depressing. And I just, there was a sense of me when I came back that like, oh, Hawaii was so depressing. I'm like, no, 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 wasn't Hawaii. It was the book <laughs> the you're book. reading. And that was, that was a because, tough book. Oh, really tough. Yeah. And the same thing. I, um, you know, as we've established, we love Donna Tartt, but The Secret History, Ugh. her first novel is so evocative of Vermont winter. Yes. Dark, cold, yes. blustery. And again, I read it when I was in a warm climate and it was it was just too contradictory. I was like, my brain was like, you need sunscreen, yet it's supposedly cold and dark and it's December. It's like, no, no, it's yeah. not. Yeah. So um, I guess what I'm trying to say is sometimes I get very wrapped up in books. I remember when I was a kid, I was, um, my mother had said to me, oh, I said, oh, I'm going outside to read because as a child, I used to love to read outdoors. <laughs> I was not athletic, but I loved being outdoors. So I would take my books outside and Um, so I was just, and my mother said, okay, in about an hour, we're going to go run some errands. I was like, okay. So then I go outside and I'm laying on the grass reading Charlotte's Web and just so, you know, Fern and Wilbur and the whole gang. And so about an hour later, my mother goes, okay, Sarah, let's go. And I said, yelled out, where are we going? The fair? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, E.B. White would love that. (laughs) I've told my kids that. My kids, every once in a while, I'll, I'll say, oh, come on, let's go. And they'll go, where are we going? The fair? <laughs> so it's a classic. Yeah, it is a classic. So, uh, so um, yeah, so I get very engrossed. So if I, if it is, if it's taking me to a place that I find troubling in, and I can be troubled. I can sit comfortably with trouble sometimes. Um, but, um, you know, that Donner party is a good example of being able Very. to sit comfortably with cold and, fam- you know, hunger and um, de- depressing family thoughts. But um, if I'm not ready to be taken there, I sometimes will just put the brakes on and not go there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I find also that, and I, I think we've talked about this, that sometimes I, I feel like I can hear the writer 
and mm-hmm. I can see what is going on in their mind, and that takes me out of the picture. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, oh, I'm, I'm being aware of his his or her process, and mm-hmm. that totally distracts me. Well, it's like when you're watching, you know, a movie, you just think, oh, that's Tom Cruise, that's Tom Cruise, right. that's Tom Cruise, and it's like you can't buy the fact that he's that character he's right. playing. Right, If I feel like a writer is, is sort of almost um, self too self-aware mm-hmm. and saying, ah, look at this. Clever, clever. Look, yeah, right, right. Yeah. That throws me. Um, well, that, I mean, again, going back to Donna Tartt, I mean, that's why, I mean, the Goldfinch is so brilliantly constructed. Yes. Yet seemingly so effortlessly. Yes. Um, yeah, the only uh, you know riff I have against Donna Tart is it takes her so long to write right, a book, right. and you know which is a terrible thing to say <laughs> because when she does write one, it's brilliant but, and worth the wait, <laughs> right? But you know, ten or twelve years—that's right, an awful long time. <laughs> I keep wanting to send her a pack of amphetamines or something. <laughs> Here's a case of Red Bull for you, honey. Amazon Prime. <laughs> that's right. I'll have it on a revolving right, yeah. order. A subscription that's service. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So you uh, were telling me before we, um, when we were preparing for this, that you've been listening to a book on. Uh, audible.com and it is it is the wonder by emma donahue donahue but i think the g might be pronounced it might be donahue it may be and so i have been so i've uh, as you mentioned in the intro thank you i'm training for uh, marathon number 14 and my running partner has been injured so i've had a lot a lot of solo long runs and so i've listened to a lot of audiobooks from our friends at Multnomah County Library. Yay. Uh, oh, all right. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, don't cast me as someone who pays for the for those right. audio books. Um, on the greatest app, I do have to do a plug for Libby, which is not just used by Multnomah County Library, and it's uh, it replaced Overdrive. And oh, it, it is did. Libby, if people are fans of their public library system, see if they use Libby. It is the most intuitive, easy-to-use, delightful app and here in Portland, you can have 15 books on hold on the Multnomah County site and right. 15 on Libby. Oh, that's good to know because Overdrive is not intuitive. Oh, it, Overdrive is, it's, it is like driving in Rome. Yeah. I mean, it is so confusing. Yeah, talk about Stephen King books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> I mean, it's it, scary. It is scary. And so Libby... It is just a thing of beauty. Okay, so L I B B Y, like the, and it's like a cute little logo. It looks like this um, auburn-haired girl with her head in a book. Like well, um, we're all about that. Yeah, and so it's darling. So, um, and you can just change the hold. You can put it on, um, you know, to hold it for, you know. Th- three months four months whatever it is you can you know so that you can kind of plan your whole right. um season out with books so um so yes yeah, so i have listened to a lot of book audio books this time around and so um so emma d let's call her emma d because i don't know how to say her last name <laughs> so her book room i thought was one of the greatest novels to come out in the yes. past decade i mean i just thought it was Brilliant. Again, a book that takes you to a very dark place, almost literally, but so well constructed, so beautifully written that I was able to handle the depressing topic. And so I um, got out Wonder and got it out as a book and ended up running out of time and had to give it back to the library and then got it on an audio book. I have to say, not a whole lot happens in it. Okay. And so it's um, set in about the 18, I think like 1858, this um, 
British nurse who trained under Florence Nightingale has been hired to go to the literal center of Ireland to keep watch over a girl who supposedly hasn't eaten a single thing for four months. She, the little young girl, Anna, um, insists that she is subsisting on manna from heaven. And so she, so um, Lib, the um, um, main character, has been brought in to watch her. And really nothing, really nothing has happened so far. Okay. So the it exp- my um, lending expires tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I'll go back to that one. Yeah. But um, I'm excited about some other ones I have. And so... Um, yeah. And so Libby is something that's nationwide. So anyone, it, you just check to see if your if, library. Yes, is, it is. It's not exclusive to Multnomah County. Good. It's a, um, yes. So it is um, just seeing whether your local library system uses it or not. Mm, and great. it is, I mean, honestly, if you're not on it, because you can also, it's not just for audiobooks. You can put, you can use it to maintain your um, holds of other books. Good. And I don't know if other people are as avid about their library system as we are here in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we've got a great library system, I have to say. We do, we do. So that being able to manage it online, because to just walk into a library and find a book, that's not how I operate. I want to have a book on hold. I mean, on occasion, I find books that I adore, but usually on the... Um, lucky you know, day. Lucky day, yep. Yes. Lucky day, we love yeah, a lucky day like book. A love a duck. Lucky day, which is essentially books that are... Uh, hot right now, uh, but they snag one or two titles mm-hmm. and put them up front, and you can... Yeah, ra- rather than having to wait through like right. 172 people. People in other parts of the country might be appalled that there are such long oh, lists. That, that, I mean, you know, if you were to... Uh, the first popular book that jumps to mind right now, because I live in Portland, is What Happened by Hillary Clinton. Okay, so regardless of what you think, there's a lot of people who want to read it. I'm sure the whole list here in Portland is oh, I would sure guess it's, it's probably five hundred at think. least. Yeah, yeah. And so that so that by lucky day they're gonna pull one or two copies, put it up there, and anyone who strolls in can just take it, but it only means you can take it for three weeks. You can't renew it. Right. But no. you typically can't renew a hot title anyway. No. No. But um I had Maggie, the friend that we referenced earlier, she was a stay at home mom and she would always look for things to do with her at the time, two boys, Henry and Charlie. And so there's a neighboring town like Oswego, and I guess the people there are more affluent, so they don't put books on hold at the library. So she would drive the boys down to Lake O and just to find popular books. Yeah. And became something to do with the boys. There was like you know, story time or whatever. And then she'd get the books rather than having to wait on hold here in, you know, more frugal Multnomah County. <laughs> yeah, and for, for people who aren't familiar with Portland, that's probably from where she lived about a good Depending on traffic, twenty to thirty minute drive. 20, yes, which 20. is an eternity here by Portland <laughs> State. I mean, that was that was you know you pack food and water to go on That's that trip. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Let your neighbors know when right. you're, where you're right. going right. when you'll be returning. <laughs> All right. Well, here's your final question. Oh, uh, so soon oh, I could yes. I could talk for hours. <laughs> we could. <laughs> I'm going to give you the chance to be a book bully. Oh. Um, Let's say you had access to every book ever written and could recommend one or two to the stranger who was seated next to you. What would you push on them? Wow. Wow. Can we can we edit out the time that I'm going to sit here to mull this <laughs> yeah, question <yeah>. over? <laughs> See, maybe I should give you some background music. <laughs> oh, right, exactly. Oh, well, I guess... I guess I'd have to say Lolita. 
I mean, Good. because it was the book that I wish someone had taken me by the shoulders. So I'm going to turn and take this person sitting next to me by the shoulders. And because it is, it is, um, in my mind, somewhat contemporary, you know, it was not written in the, it was written in the 20th century that, that still qualifies in my mind as contemporary. It was written, you know, it's by, uh, an American author, um, despite his name. That's right. And so, you know, so by American, you know. <laughs> Um, support um, support this great country. And um, I just think a lot of people are scared. They think it's going to be quite salacious, which it's not. You know, they think it's going to be like the precursor to Fifty Shades of Grey, which for the record, I've never read. So I'm, I don't know what I'm well, talking about here. Company but, here but, but that, um, and it just, it's thought provoking. The writing is genius. It's uh, a look inside one man's soul. It's, I don't know. I mean, after I read it, I told myself I was going to reread it every year. I have not kept up with that promise to myself, but I don't know. It just, it is, it is really great. Another, um, I also, um, Thomas Hardy. I loved Tessa the Durbervilles. Oh, I know. I love Thomas Hardy. I love Thomas Hardy too. And Thomas Hardy, another person who is more contemporary than you think. Maybe I'm ancient. And the fact that he died in 1928 to me doesn't seem all that long ago. I mean, to me, if you, and I only know that because I saw something on, um, uh, OPB on Oregon Public Broadcasting recently about when he died, but that that if you had asked me, I would have said, "Oh, he died much much longer yeah. ago than that." Yeah. yeah. Oh no, it was. It was they said uh, he died in 1928. I have a new favorite TV show um, called Escape to the Country. It's on Netflix. <gasps> I heard about that. I read about it. I think in the New York Times. New York. In the, little in the watching. Yes. In the, the watching, watching a newsletter. It is so fantastic is it, it is so escapist oh it is oh okay <laughs> it is uh so it it okay, i realize your your podcast is about books not <laughs> no, tv but okay. but that it's so escape to the country is a british series where they um have uh it's part house hunters part kind of a travel show so they'll you know take you know malcolm and colleen and they're looking for a house in sussex you know and so then they they show the landscape so they big sweeping vistas and then they show them three houses and unlike house hunters these are typically three amazing homes okay like maybe they're not palatial but they have charm and lovely settings and gardens and then they also do short vignettes within the show about like the sausage making factory there or the candy store that carries all these different types of candies that's been you know owned by the same family for 50 you know years and here's how they still make this you know whorehound candy by hand so um it is it is just and i mean the sweeping vistas alone i mean it makes every square inch of england look beautiful and of course it never rains in on tv in <laughs> yeah. what is it up with you know, it's you like know. portland when yeah. i see a house hunters in portland i'm like what's wrong with this picture <laughs> right, right well it's like downton abbey oh and come on there was like one foggy day and that was it they must have filmed that show for five years to get 10 sunny days <laughs> so so um yeah so anyway but so thomas hardy another um novelist that somehow i you know i don't I don't know how I got an English degree without reading Thomas Hardy, but I did. And I have to put in a plug for, uh, there's a wonderful biography of him by a woman who I think mm. is a fantastic writer, Claire Tomlin. I knew you were going to go there. Oh, oh, her biographies are so Cause she good. Because she wrote about Jane Austen, right? Right. She wrote about Jane Austen. She wrote about Samuel, is it? 
peeps or peppies? Oh, there's, yeah. a, <laughs> there's a ongoing <laughs> here again. A listener can write, or listeners can get into an argument about it. But somebody that I thought I'd have no interest in, and uh-huh. I just devoured mm-hmm. her biography of him. Also, but that's that goes back to my you know nonfiction that is that compelling. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, well, this has been fun. It's been really we could fun. Go on and on. I know we could go on and on, and it feels like when we used to run together. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's true. Now you're doing your 14th marathon, and I'm heading out for a walk. <laughs> well, listen, um, where can people find you? Where can people find us? Uh, yeah. Another Mother Runner is a website, anothermotherrunner.com. Our podcast available wherever you find your podcast, Another Mother Runner. We are on Instagram and Twitter at the Mother Runner. Um, on Twitter, I'm at SBS on the Run. So for all you romance novel lovers who want to castigate me, just That's tweet right. me at SBS on the Run. Wow, <laughs> opening it up here. Yeah, yeah. So thank you and great success with Book Bully. I just I know it is going to be well loved and well listened to. Oh, thank you so much. That means yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Love right. you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. So that was my first episode of The Book Bully. Um, I thank all of you, especially those that have been so encouraging to me. I want to thank Sarah in particular for, for being my first guest and for encouraging me along this journey, along with uh, our lovely millennial producer, Alex who uh, also uh, put his his boot in my back, essentially, to get me started in this way. Um, But I just want to let you know that uh, you'll be able to find this podcast on really anywhere where you get your podcasts, be it iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play. And um, let me give you my email, because what I'd love to do is, is hear from you. Um, you can send me recommendations. Um, if you have uh, ideas for future episodes, that would be wonderful. But uh, just send me an email at bookbullypodcast at gmail.com. So that's one word, bookbullypodcast at gmail.com. So this is exciting, and I look forward to many more episodes with you. Thank you. Stay well. And remember, don't let me catch you without a book. Bye-bye.